What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Ableton Music Producer Podcast. This is Dan Giffen, as always. Today, we've got a special episode with Ned Rush. He talks a lot about his process and how he approaches music, how he produced an album uh, called Mode 2. And if you aren't familiar with Ned Rush, whose real name is Duncan Wilson, he has been a longtime YouTuber. He has uploaded thousands of tutorials, sharing little tips and tricks and hacks in Ableton Live. Definitely check out his YouTube channel if you get a chance. He also produces under the name Rude NHS. He's a visual artist. He's well known for developing a lot of Macs for live devices. He's a Max MSP developer and has worked with Isotonic Studios, which we had Darren Cowley on the podcast, who's the founder of Isotonic, a while ago. Before we jump in, I wanted to give you a quick reminder. If you haven't subscribed to this podcast, I would really appreciate it. It would really help me out wherever you're listening. I'll leave a review and I would be super grateful. If you want to be the first to know when new episodes come out, then go to liveproducersonline.com slash newsletter and join the newsletter. I'll also share new events and webinars and things that are happening as well as the latest episodes uh, as they are released. So join the newsletter. It's definitely worth it. Also, if you don't own Ableton Live 11 yet and you want to save some money, go to liveproducersonline.com slash buy Ableton. Happy to hook you up with a discount. And last but not least, I want to give a huge shout out to Melodics. They have been an amazing company, very supportive of this podcast. And to be honest with you, it would be a lot harder to do this podcast without them. So if you haven't tried their free trial, go to Melodics.com. It's a desktop app. You can download your computer. You can plug in virtually almost any MIDI controller or your electronic drum kit and just practice your skills. They've got a lot of different lessons, a huge variety of genres that they keep adding to constantly. So it's a great way to level up your practicing, have a lot of fun while doing it, and really appreciate Melodics for supporting this podcast. Give them some love. Go to Melodics.com. If you decide to join their subscription plan, you get access to a ton of more lessons and content and options to level up your skills. Highly recommend that as well. And just use the discount code if you want to save on the subscription plan. Discount code is LPO-20. That's LPO-20. Save that money. One more quick thing, if you wanted to stay connected with me, then you can either join the Facebook group, which is just live producers online members. Just search that, it's a private group. You can request to join, I'll accept you. Just make sure you answer the questions. And also my Discord, I'm way more active in Discord these days. It's a great community I've been building. You can share your tracks, you can ask questions. Um, and if you decide to join my membership, then you can get 24-hour Ableton support and hang out with me on the regular. So if you want to join Discord, go to liveproducersonline.com slash Discord, D-I-S-C-O-R-D. Thanks for listening, everybody, to the podcast, and hope you're all doing well out there. And now today's episode with Ned Rush. Yeah, right now, for everybody listening, we have Duncan Wilson with us, uh, a.k.a. he goes by the name Ned Rush, if you've ever seen him on YouTube. Um, he also produces under the name Rude NHS, and you're a composer, producer, musician, sound designer, Max MSP developer, visual artist. You wear a lot of hats, uh, but you've been releasing music online for a while, uh, since early 2000s, I think. Uh, you teach a lot of your Ableton wizardry on your YouTube channel, which I've seen a lot of your videos like many years ago. I didn't even realize that was you until recently and i was like oh that was that was ned but you released a lot of great max for live devices i've used with isotonic studios which we had as i said darren cowley on the podcast who's the founder of isotonic um and they released a lot of really cool devices for producers performers but yeah man thank you for hanging out on the podcast i'm glad to have you today uh it's very nice to be here nice to meet you i like your ableton hoodie oh thank you yeah i got it for free it's laundry day i have like four of these <laughs> I usually wear when laundry is getting low. <laughs> the black Ableton hoodie is, is a rare Indeed, though. Yeah. It's hard to find. That's my favorite one. Yeah. What do you have going on these days? So, well, not a huge amount these days. Uh, I finished the album. Well, I released the album in March, just over a month ago. And with that out of the way, I've kind of just been not doing anything um, apart from some work workshops with music hack space kind of relaxing really after quite a long period of work or at least um finishing some work let's say yeah yeah, I, li yeah. I listened to the making of your album on the music production podcast with brian funk 
like I said, when we first jumped on the call, he, I was on his podcast a while ago and you had some really good insights to share the process behind making the album mode two, which came mm-hmm. out in March and said that you haven't played much guitar, but did a lot of hacks and chopping up and slicing the guitar and did a lot of real instrumentation with the album. Um, and it has like a really cool drum and bass kind of groove, which I don't hear a lot of guitar with drum and bass. So it's definitely an organic vibe. And uh, it's a cool album. I was putting it on repeat today and listening to it. Thank you very much. Cheers. I'm uh, I'm 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 proud of it, but I'm happy it's over. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that, I understand that feeling. You put so many hours in a dark cave into working on something that you're proud of, and then it's like, okay, well, I released that into the world. It's time to time to do that all over again, and hopefully, people listen to it and share it. <laughs> Let's see what happens. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, well, I it obviously it would be very nice if people listen to it and, and share it and even buy it. But um, that's not always my expectation. I'm quite happy just to make music just for my own sort of austerity, really. And, yeah. and um, you know, just as a kind of uh, personal um, sort of discipline and, um, you know, just ways to kind of tick on through life, really. You know, I, I'm not signed to a label and I don't release music professionally or anything it's it's still a very glorified hobby really for me so i don't i I don't worry too much about how well things do in that department i'm happy just to leave it on the internet and people pick up they do and if they don't then it's all right you know yeah um i think it would be different if i you know if the context was different if it was like uh if there was a big marketing campaign behind it or some big label backing or something and and it didn't do very well i'm i I might be a little bit like well this is awful (laughs) but uh you know it's all my it's all on my own it's all on my own terms and therefore all on my own head so i don't i don't sort of worry too much about it but it's always good when people give me feedback and stuff so i mean music is therapy i mean that's an entire profession now it's just music therapy and for me personally Mm -hmm. I, i i agree it the same way the less pressure I put on myself to try to make something quote unquote great, which is subjective in itself, like the happier I am creating it. And usually the better the end result is, I'm more proud of it when I'm not trying just to create it for the popularity or, you know, feeling pressured under a label or something just like good therapy, you make it for yourself. And I feel like that the most authentic music comes out when you have that energy behind it. Yeah. I I mean, one of the, the good things about, doing music completely independently is you know you're obviously completely independent and therefore you have you're calling all the shots all the time and you have complete control over everything and um you know you can delay things a couple more months if you need to work on a mix a bit more or you know you can just suddenly start the whole project again if suddenly you've decided it's awful or or you can trash it or whatever there's no one there going you know we need this done in three months or something you know yeah and um and so with that, you can feel a lot better about the decisions that you make because um, there's no one breathing down your neck. <laughs> you yeah, know? yeah. And, uh, you know, sometimes th- that can also not necessarily be quite a good thing because um, it can be very easy to um, to not get things finished or to, uh, to lack any kind of routine mm-hmm. um, or kind of uh, determination or deadline or whatever. So, you know, sometimes you do, you do need something there to, um, to kind of work towards and to give you that sort of nervous energy to go like, well, I, I have to get this finished. Otherwise I'm going to yeah. you know, look like a tit if I don't get this done. You know, I've been talking about this album for two years and I still haven't finished it. I need to finish it. Right. You know? So it's, it, it's a, it's a balance. Yeah, I totally agree. It's, it's one thing if you're just a guitar player and you're just uploading your like guitar to SoundCloud and you're just an Americana singer songwriter you know, but like when you're using a black hole like Ableton Live, it's so many options where it's almost like there's so many different things to choose from. There's so many different ways to make music. It's easy to get lost in that sometimes, especially for newer producers, I think. Yeah. I mean, I'm always faffing about like with different ideas and workflows and techniques and stuff. And, you know, most of that stuff kind of gets dumped onto the YouTube channel, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, um, <laughs> I, you know, I might sort of find something and I might think this, this is a very, very interesting idea, maybe not for my music, but it, it's an interesting idea. So I'll put it on YouTube and then other people can try it. And, um, 
and they can make music with it. And and sometimes they do. And people send me stuff and they and they go, I made this track using this thing you did. And I'm like, oh, wow, that's yes. that's great. And now I don't have to do that because someone else did it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, like, exactly. Um, I, that, was, that was my experience with your Nobulator, which I didn't even know you created until recently. But I saw Mr. Bill created a tutorial video. He calls them Mud Pies, where he just tweaks a bunch of knobs, resamples audio and gets these muddy distorted crazy bassy sounds that he chops up and uses in his productions so i've, I've used that to make some good mud with the, with the nobulator okay, max for life <laughs> i'm glad to hear that the, the 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 mud is being made it is it's good <laughs> musical mud yeah well how did you get into ableton live like when did that come into your life well quite a while ago i i started on version three with a cracked version of of live three, but I bought live four very soon afterwards. Yeah. There's no judgment here. You're fine. Yeah. I mean, this was, uh, this must've been in about 2004, I think. Yeah. It's been a while. I mean, yeah. So like lives versioning kind of syncs nicely with the every year of the, uh, the 21st century. So I think it was probably around 2003, 2004. And, uh, my flatmate at the time, who was also, uh, a producer, uh, got it. I think he even had live one. So I, I, I'd heard about it before then. And I think by that, at that point, it was kind of just a, kind of like a sort of DJ app, like a remixing app. And, uh, you know, he showed it to me and he was kind of like, you know, this, this is going to change everything. And I was like, oh, well, yeah, of course it is. And, um, and, and it kind of has, um, but like, but, but it was still very much in its infancy. You know, it was, it was kind of like, um, I think you could record into it. I think he was doing a lot of recording with it and he was producing tracks in it. And then he, he was very nicely taking those uh, tracks that he'd produced and then very quickly taking them to the stage and remixing them like live and stuff. And I just sort of had a go on it and just, and very quickly I, I just started to find things about it that I really liked that I'd, I'd struggled with in other programs. Yeah. I was, I, I got bitten by it very quickly and not soon afterwards I bought live four and started using it like all the time. And I've pretty much stayed with it ever since really. So. Yeah. You've been, you stayed in, in live four ever since. <laughs> in live four. <laughs> I do have the box somewhere. If uh, I thought that, um, if I would have thought we were going to talk about it, I would have got the box out. I'm sure I've still got the, the CD somewhere. I, I doubt it will run on this the, operating the system. The legacy but. Ableton live. Four. I feel like somebody would pay pretty good money to have live four. The legacy, I mean, old school. There were some things in it that they've that they took out, which I'm very very cross about, and they've never like put what? back. There, were, I, I I really always liked the MIDI sequencer, and it, in particular with the way that you could. So, like, if you uh, the the way that you could kind of automatically um, snap the lengths of notes to other notes according to their original length and where they were. So, if you had a if you had a note that was like. Um, four bars long and then a note that was a bar long and another note that was three bars long, but they were ever so slightly off. You could quantize them and grab them and shrink them down and stretch them back out. And oh, they would, nice. they would quantize in relation to their original length. But okay. now when you do that, it, it stretches them out and they're all the same length. Yeah. That would be a nice additional feature outside of legato. Cause legato does that, right? It just locks all of them into each other. But if you could shorten them, specify that, that would be nice. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it, it was, it, you know, it was just something that made certain things so fast because I don't think even at that point, I even had a MIDI keyboard. I think I was just doing everything on the QWERTY keyboard because I, oh, wow. I really hate, I really hated like drawing notes in and stuff. I don't mind editing stuff afterwards, but I'm not a big fan of like drawing in the notes. I like to punch them in or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I, I remember kind of being a little bit frustrated one day when a version came along and I, and I was using that and I was like, this is different. Well, oh. <laughs> I don't like it. And then I've kind of sort of stopped really doing stuff like that. Well, I mean, as many as Max for Live devices you've made, I feel like you could probably make one to do that if you really wanted to. Uh, well, either that or someone has. I mean, I I sort of um then I got more into the the thing where I would I would I would hold down the uh the note on the the notes on the keyboard and then I would use the cursor to step enter the notes. Okay. And then, you, you know, you, you have your grid, the, the size that you want it. You hold down the note and then you press, you know, right on the, on the keyboard. Yeah. And it puts the notes in yep. according to the next step. Then you take your fingers off and then you do the other one, do the next one. 
Um, mm-hmm. That was kind of my compromise. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, if it works, it works, I guess. Um, yeah. yeah, interesting. I'd have to do a little research and find out. I'm sure somebody's made a Max for a Live device that does that real quick. Probably. I th- uh, and also, like, um, there's there's a nice thing on the on the push now where you can kind of press a pad and then press another pad for how long you want the note to be. And then oh, that's yeah. how long it puts the note in and stuff. But, um, I mean, also these days, I kind of, uh, it's been a while since I did any sort of synth, melodic synthy stuff that um, I probably wouldn't even really notice it if I went back in and did some stuff like that. Um, hmm. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I mean, I, I got into Ableton Live 8, uh, which still feels like a long time ago at the beginning, but 4, that definitely goes way back. So you're one of the OGs of, of the Ableton Live crew. You are, are not a certified trainer, are you? I am not a certified trainer. I'm an uncertified trainer. An uncertified trainer. I'm 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 a I'm I'm a Ableton cowboy in that sense. Um, <laughs> I don't yeah. I don't have the license to uh to 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 you know to to give out the knowledge that I give it. I just do that. Do that out of enthusiasm. But I am kind of like I'm sort of the uh, the black sheep, I suppose, uh, in the CT community because I, I know quite a lot of them, and right, you know, I get invited to things and stuff, and have you, you know, have, it's been fine. Yeah, yeah, no, totally. I mean, I'm sure there'll be opportunities if you want to do it again for sure. Um, have you gone to Loop? I've not been to Loop, no. Okay, um, but I'm I'm absolutely um, going to uh, the next time that it happens in real life. Yeah, it looks like 2022 is a real possibility. So mm. hoping hoping for that. And definitely would love to see you there. It's probably one of the best conferences, if not the best convention I've ever been to. It's just a, mm. a, a bunch of nerds hanging out together, sharing devices and talking about oscillators and crazy shit. It's fun. <laughs> okay, yeah, it does sound good. I've watched, a, I've watched a lot of videos about it and met a lot of people who, who are involved in it and and work within it and stuff and um yeah uh every time i've seen it i've always kind of thought like mm-hmm. oh yeah it does look kind of good i mean it, like um the the setup the venue the choices of venue and um you know just the the t- the overall tone of voice of the whole thing it's mm-hmm. it's not like nam or something like that where it's kind right. of like a very tech yeah it's not a, like a tech thing it's like it's it's very much more a, a sort of creative and philosophical thing and um yeah. all the conversations are all about like very interesting stuff to do with mm-hmm. with anything and not just about ableton like just making music you know so yeah. it's um yeah like a kind of music uh producer composer seminar type thing yeah i suppose yeah it's one of those things that you just come home feeling extremely inspired as a creator um and I'm sure you've had many moments like that in your life. I, I try to force myself, you know, every few months or whatever to whether it's a, a webinar that I purchase or whether it's, you know, going to a big event like Loop. Obviously, COVID was weird the last year, but I always try to force myself out of my element and stretch myself to learn something new or to network or go to the big thing like that. Just because I know you come back feeling like hyped up and amped up and all the creative juices are flowing and just puts you back into your element. I feel like to, to make more music for me anyway. But yeah. Yeah, I mean I I used to get that a lot going to festivals, you know. I would I'd go to a yeah. festival and then I'd come back and 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 I would feel very sort of um yeah, inspired and rejuvenated and I'd have all these ideas even even if some of the stuff that I'd seen was wasn't in any way connected to anything I'm interested in, just being around um you know, a busy environment of enthusiastic people. Mm-hmm. Um can yeah, really rub off on you and uh, kickstart things in your brain and yeah, yeah. it's good. And it's been and it's um it's it's been a while since I've been to anything like that, but uh, yeah, I will I would absolutely do loop next time around for sure. Yeah, for sure, definitely. Me too. I'm gonna go again. Well, like I was saying, you released this new album, Mode Two, in March. Uh, I'd love to talk a little bit about your process creating the album in the studio. Maybe you can share some hacks and different devices, workflows that you used in creating the album. Like we talked about, you upload a, a lot of really great content on YouTube, like little hacks and tips and tricks and. I watched uh, one of my favorite ones not too long ago was uh, building drums with operator. I thought that was a really cool tip. Um, so I'd love to pick your brain and maybe just talk about the album. And we were talking about being inspired. So like, how did how did you get inspired to create this this mode two album you re- recently released? If, well, for starters, it's actually um, a, a sequel to an album I did in 2015. <laughs> 
Yeah. And I'm planning to do mode three eventually. Oh, okay. So I've kind of got this uh, sort of um, kind of pretentious prog trilogy going on in my brain that I kind of need to get out of my system and then it'll kind of be done. I don't really know what really sort of inspired me. I think it, I mean, when I started doing music by myself, my plan was that I would do albums by like playing all the instruments, you know, like doing a Prince or, or something yeah. like that, you know, of just, uh, right, I'll lay down the drums, then I'll lay down the bass, then I'll do guitar and whatever. But it didn't really happen because I ended up just getting distracted by the multiverse that is music tech and music production and stuff. And, and I was like, oh, wow, synthesizers, drum machines. <laughs> granular synthesis, yeah. you know, like LFOs and like aleatoric algorithms and, you know, and, and, and all of those kind of like, you know, late teen aspirations just kind of got discarded. Yeah. Um, it's a lot of toys. Late, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was just like, so as, as much as I wanted to, um, you know, make an album where I play all the instruments <laughs> when I was like 20 years old, I, I didn't really have the, the skills to do it in a way that, um, that I would kind of be proud of, you know? And so when I was making music at that, at that age, I was, you know, cheating a little bit <clears throat> by using a lot of samples, you know, yeah. and like not having to worry about how good the drums sound. Cause I've just used someone else's drums, you know, and I've yeah. chopped it up and all this sort of stuff. I, I guess I kind of like either consciously or subconsciously waited a bit until I knew a, a, a what I was doing a little bit more. Um, so yeah, it was always in the back of my head that I would do like something with guitar on something with bass and, and, and I'm not a very good drummer, but I really like playing the drums and I've always wanted to just record my own drums and make them sound nice and chop them up and do the stuff that I was doing with other people's drums, but with my own. Yeah. Drums. Yeah. Your drums sounded real. Were, so were those acoustic drums that you played and then just sampled in the album? I, yeah. So I, 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 I went a little bit overboard and bought a load of microphones. I, um, <laughs> and bought a, I bought a drum kit for 30 pounds wow. uh, off eBay. Yeah. I really lucked out there. Um, <clears throat> I mean, I, I, that was a, a great deal or a shitty drum kit, one or the other. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, it, well, the, I think the snare sounds fine. Um, yeah. the toms are a bit, I mean, I, I did buy it. Uh, sometime afterwards, I did buy a, a nice ride cymbal for for forty pounds. Okay, um, but the the hi hat is awful. The toms are awful, <laughs> but um, the snare sounds fine, and the kick is you know it's a kick. So yeah. it was enough for me to sit down and just do some things and record it. Yeah. So I went through a very very long process of trying to make those sound good and trying yeah. to find a way to record it where I was like happy. And yeah, so that was kind of the, the first stages because mm -hmm. I, in, on, in the, in mode one, <laughs> there's live drums on that, but they're, they're samples. So even though I, I played them live, like on pads, yeah, like in, in, in a take yeah, in using rhythms that I would, if I was playing a drum kit there, that's Ableton session drums. So as good okay. as they sound, yeah. it's all samples. And yeah. so when I finished that, I was like, next time I'm going to do the drums, I'm going to do them in real life. <laughs> yeah. Session drums is a great pack. That's a great Ableton pack for anybody listening. Yeah. When I first heard it, I was like, oh my God. And I think I know where my favorite snares are in that library. Oh yeah. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I made so much stuff the minute I got that first pack. I was just like, These are the, this is the best thing like I've ever heard. Yeah. But I didn't want to use them again because they're quite a drain on resources if you if you mm. use some of those multi-miked packs. Yeah. yeah, It can take like a long time for them to load into RAM and stuff. And Computer might cry a little bit. So I, I worked for a long time on the drums, like experimenting and trying things. Whilst some of the, the songs were done in that very old school way of like me laying down one instrument at a time, like four track fashion. Mm. A lot of them are, are, are more kind of collages and pieced together with various jams in Ableton. So as much as um, I, I went down a, a traditional route of multi-miking the, the drums and, and then mixing them down kind of the old fashioned way with kick, snare top and bottom and rooms and all this sort of stuff. Um, a lot of the other things are just recorded with a stereo microphone. And then I just 
played like by myself out of context, just like jamming along. And then I would go in and find like four bars that was like, okay, well, this is a, I was good there. And then I would just beef it up by putting some one shot samples over the top. And then I would bounce it down. Mm. And then it was kind of like, all right, that's my drum break. Those are all, you know, maybe three or four of those. And I'd be like, right, those are the drum breaks I'm going to use. And I'm going to chop them up and do the stuff that I would normally do. But yeah, these are, that's me, you know, and obviously they're very heavily like, processed so that they're very precise at least the kicks and the snares are very precise you know especially for the drum and bass tracks you kind of have to really tighten those up because there's so much rhythm happening in a short period of time yeah yeah i mean i kind of I, i kind of like the idea of of it being a little bit confusing in that sense of it being sort of sort of a little balance there i wanted to kind of play with yeah but uh i mean as much as uh, there are lots of moments on there where it's it's very kind of sample heavy and very sequencer heavy and lots of editing, all of the source materials all come from like things in real life played with my hands. Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah, yeah. Do you ever use the groove pool to kind of tighten up some of the timing of the rhythms? No, no, not at all. I really, um, I don't think I've ever really, I don't think I even know how it works. So I think I, I don't, <laughs> I think it's yeah. just like, I think you, you can load like a drum loop in and then it can analyze it and then it can yeah. make a MIDI from the swing of it. Or yeah, something. I, I think it lines up with the transient markers that are read out when a clip is warped. So you drop that, that groove into the groove pool or you could extract your own groove from an audio clip that you recorded, which is cool too. I've done that. Um, and then I usually mess with in the actual groove pool itself in the groove. I play with the velocity. If you really want to have more expression with the the transients that are being locked in in the clip that you assign it to that groove. And then also there's the quantize. And I usually flip through the quantize, usually 16th or 8th notes, um, to have it lock into the next transient that it picks up that it's moving the timing of to lock into that groove. Mm, okay, um, interesting. Yeah, no, I didn't really play much with that that stuff. I Really, I, I all I did was just kind of... Um, get the kicks and the snares on point and then everything yeah. else in between, I just kind of left it because I was yeah. going for very much that kind of like drum break feel, you know, of, of like lots of syncopation and lots of ghost, soft ghost, no- ghost, yeah. ghost notes <laughs> in yeah. between. So I left those bits kind of as they were, you know, I didn't want to go too tight on those parts, but yeah, the, everything else is because it's quite a driving some of the some of the tracks are quite driving and they really move and they've got to be very on yeah. point if you're going to do that otherwise it just sounds a bit <laughs> so when you're starting a track like that obviously this was like a non-traditional way for you to produce recording the drums playing them yourself doing a lot of that stuff you i mean from the podcast i heard with brian funk you were on you talked about how you had a kind of a different approach to this album and some of the ways you worked I guess what other instruments did you play with and maybe share some Ableton hacks that you used maybe from some of the projects in this album? Yeah. I mean, it was a lot of, I sort of created this library ahead of time and it's something I've been trying to do a lot in the last couple of years is that, you know, if it, if those moments come about where I want to do music, but I haven't got any ideas then I just try and make stuff. It's a little bit like, like Mr. Bill and his mud pies, you know, It's like, I I just sort of like, I might just record like 127 kick drums and just stick them in a folder and like, you know, maybe one day I'll use them, but like, and so I kind of, I kind of wanted to do something similar where I I just sort of would just have these sessions where I I would just record like loads of like sort of rudimentary kind of um, guitar stuff that didn't really mean anything. It was just like, you know, like when you play a guitar in a guitar shop, you know, you just sort of like riff about and none of it means anything, but I just recorded it very nicely. And then I would forget about it. And then when I was sitting down just to maybe start jamming with ideas, I would pull these things in and chop them up and maybe make new stuff with them and, and, uh, and try and turn them into something that I liked. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was a lot of that and I wanted to like really, have a nice feedback guitar sound, but I couldn't get it. So I cheated and used operator with some guitar distortion to really do like a, a feedback guitar type sound. That's like all over the whole record. That's cool. it was like, yeah. It was one of those moments where I was like, Oh, I've, I've found it. I found that sound now. And once yeah. I, sometimes it's kind of one of those 
it's little things like that that can make you just everything can firework and then you can suddenly get everything done because there's just yeah. this one little nuance that you've nailed and and it can and then suddenly everything writes itself you know so that's really funny that you say that i've noticed that for myself too it's that little aha moment that you have where you're just like being playful and just turning knobs and just making really weird shit and then something pops out at you and it's that one little piece of inspiration you needed that like just makes everything so much easier to just keep writing like a lot of times i find my favorite tracks i usually write a lot of times in the shortest amount of time which is weird how that works for me personally and i mm. think it's like that burst of inspiration it's like oh this is dope i can work with this and then i just make it pretty quick because it's like all of all of the ideas just kind of flood together at that point and then hopefully you finish it later <laughs> yeah yeah i guess those things are just little sparks aren't they there's just those yeah. un, un, unexpected sparks and um I, up until that point i was trying all kinds of things so i was trying to like stand in front of my monitors with my guitar and wave it around and find all these sweet spots and overtones and um you know and then i was like oh this is this isn't working and then i thought oh i'll, I'll have to buy an ebo and then i kind of thought oh ebos are expensive and then i sort of started um sampling feedback uh, and then trying to play it from the keyboard with sampler mm -hmm. and i was like that you know that's not working either and then I, I kind of like, I, I just sort of thought about it. I thought like, what is it I like about that sound? It's that point where one note transitions into the other one and then there's that breaking overtone in the middle. Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, surely I could just do that with two sine waves and just tune one sine wave differently to the other one and then crossfade from one to the other um, and put some guitar distortion on it. And then I did it and I was like, oh yeah, that's it. Because that's basically what it is, like scientifically. Yeah just two sine waves and then they're just they're different intervals so interesting yeah that makes sense hey just want to give a big shout out to melodics for sponsoring this podcast episode uh it's a really cool desktop app you can download it to your computer definitely check it out they've got all kinds of lessons and genres that you can practice to just plug in your push or nearly any midi controller um, there's a lot of different compatibility options or plug in your electric drum kit and just practice your skills. It's a great way to level up your practicing and have fun while doing it. So yeah, check that out. Go to melodics.com and that's M-E-L-O-D-I-C-S.com and use the discount code LPO-20. That's LPO-20. There's a free trial because free trials are great. But if you decide to join the subscription plan, use that discount code LPO-20 to save some money. And yeah, definitely worth it. Check out Melodics, great company, great software, and highly recommend it. So yeah, thanks for listening to the podcast and back to today's episode. You did a lot of really cool chopping with a lot of the guitar that you use, um, some of the slicing. How did, how did you do some of those quick slicing chops? Maybe we could talk about that for a second. Yeah, well, that was, again, like a, um, lots of different things. I mean, one of the first thing when I started doing music by myself, that was absolutely one of the first things I knew I wanted to do was that I wanted to, you know, take guitar tracks and chop them up in the way that like other people were doing with drums and stuff mm -hmm. to make it very sort of, again, sort of like ch challenging people's listening, you know, like, it, you know, that's a guitar, but like, why is it, it doesn't sound like it's been played right, you know, like the... Eddie Van Halen did a lot of that, right? Like well, he yeah, would just that, like, lay down the guitar and slap it and play these weird drumming overtones on top of his guitar too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, when he would have his like more avant-garde moments when the rest of the band were off stage, he would do these things that were just not about uh, the the squealing guitar solos and more about like look how look how many sounds I can get out of this. Yeah, yeah. And I, you know, when I was when I was learning guitar, I really liked Eddie Van Halen and, and um, for, for specifically for those things. You know, it was like he's doing um, he's doing a lot of uh, like crazy stuff that like oh, I yeah. really think a guitar could do really, you know, right. um, like tapping harmonics and kind of like this sort of crazy kind of like, I guess it's almost like slap bass, but kind of mute, muted um, uh, kind of slapping of the strings or whatever. Right. And just very, very percussive and just. Yeah, with and, lots um, of effects too, which is kind of sounded wild. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I th and I think that like um, you know that probably like had an influence on that desire to kind of do it digitally, <laughs> yeah, as it were. Yeah. So 
So, I mean, you know, I've got like recordings from 20 years ago, which is just all of me doing that, but I, 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 they were just experiments really. There weren't any. Um, and so, yeah, it was kind of a combination of uh, using loads of one shots or sometimes what I would do is that I would, I would have like a, a really long kind of jam of, uh, of all kinds of guitar stuff, like maybe like two minutes or something. And then I would just kind of jump around the start position of the sample in various ways to kind of just give you like a little snippet of, uh, of this larger take. Yeah. Um, and then I would just kind of keep doing that until I found things that, that I liked rhythmically and that worked well with the, uh, with the drums or sometimes, sometimes I would take the, uh, a drum loop and slice it to MIDI and then use that MIDI, the same MIDI to trigger like guitar samples and stuff so that they're very nicely lined up rhythmically. Yeah. Um, I kind of just, yeah, it was just sort of every trick I could think of really. Um, so what were some of the other tricks? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, loads of things really. I, I just had so many kind of sounds to play with. I think I, I had this, uh, I think maybe for like one weekend I was renting this studio space at the time and I just went in for like a weekend and just recorded like every guitar riff that I know in the world. (laughs) Just every, I was just like, I'm just going to put my entire vocabulary to tape right now and um and and save it and um and then sometime later when i thought about trying to make some tracks out of it i would just pull them in and go oh all right maybe i could use this or something yeah so yeah there was just a um you know just a lot of like the same types of things i like to do with breaks but just applying them to guitar instead really yeah and um so do you do a lot of that slicing as well um you said like slice to midi um, but also like in the simpler, do you use a lot of the slices, slice mode in the simpler as well? Yeah, sometimes. I mean, like, so the, it kind of really depends. Like it, sometimes I'll do that to get something going just to, just to, um, just to start playing about and come up with an idea. The, the, the kind of the, the, the transient detection on that is like really good. I think it's like yeah, one of the best I've seen in like any recycle was very good back in the day, but like you've still got to export it and then load it into another sampler, but just to sort of, just to have something there that you can, and you know, you can put anything in there. You can put like three seconds in there or three hours in there and it will go mm-hmm. through and pick out some transients. And suddenly you've got like a, a drum kit from whatever, you know, yeah. whatever you put in there. So yeah. for, so there were kind of lots of recordings I did that were just like little stabs where I would just be like, um, not even playing music, just like, strumming with muted strings and flicking the pickup switch and just just again just trying to find like weird sounds that are like very electric guitar sounding but not particularly musical yeah and then i yeah sometimes i would put them into simpler and just turn those transits up and then just kind of hammer out or sometimes use like an arpeggiator and just pull in an arpeggiator and kind of play sort of try and find these patterns by just holding pads down and letting the arpeggiator kind of make these sequences up and totally yeah often in the background i'd have something recording like the whole thing that i could then yeah. go in and go okay that those bits were good i'll use that or something so that's very cool yeah and with probability you can really expand on that arpeggiator kind of vibe where you're just like having certain notes jump in and out with live mm. 11 yeah yeah i haven't tried that i might try that later i've done uh, i i love the probability and the velocity velocity ranges in the midi and live 11 like i use it all the time now but i haven't tried um tried it with like the arpeggiator or other midi effects i'm gonna do do that yeah Yeah. honestly i haven't that much either i just gave myself a great idea (laughs) it's a good job dan yeah um (laughs) i mean you've created a lot of max for live devices and you know we've talked a little bit about your album did you are there any go-to max for live devices that you're using in most of your tracks that you just couldn't live without um, not really. No, I hate to be boring, but I don't really use a lot of my, I, I'm, I'm working on stuff at the moment that I really, really want to use a lot in the future. And, um, that I was, as I was coming to the end of finishing the record, I was starting to prototype some new things just at home. And, um, so one track I was working on, I just chucked on this, this thing I was working on, on the drums and just left it and just recorded it. And I was just like, whatever it does, I don't care. It can go on the record or whatever. I did have this kind of nice moment whilst doing that, where I was kind of listening to recordings of me on the drums, going through some software, some, 
some DSP algorithms that I'd made. Uh, I was kind of like, whoa, I didn't think I'd ever really get to this stage, but now I've just gone and done it now. So that's very cool. So I, and, and even though like what it did wasn't that great, I kind of thought I have to put that on anyway, cause that's just a little personal moment for me. But, yeah. um, I mean, well, I, th- th- there's the thing is with max MSP and max for live development is that if you get into it, you're, you're kind of, um, nothing's ever really finished. You're kind of always sort of trying to, if you come up with a nice idea for something, there's always room to refine it and make it better and make it, make it run more smoothly and stuff. So, mm. you know, I have all of these things that I've done, but they all kind of like turn into something else later. That's just, that just runs a little bit better and is more elegantly programmed. Um, yeah. I've got like some some vi- some video stuff that I was using at gigs for a while that I'm still trying to, um, you know, make run just to make more slick, you know. Yeah. So, but I do have um, I've got something, a couple of things that I'm working on right now, and um, I've actually uh, invited in a, another chap to help me. This is the first time I've done this, so it's a chap who's slightly slightly more experienced with DSP coding than me is uh, coming in to sort of uh, have a look at what I've done and go, uh, all right, I understand what you've done, but you need to do it this way, you know? So Yeah, yeah. Um, That's great. I've kind of like past, past sort of gone, can you sort this out for me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, can yeah. you share any of what those devices are for or what they could be used yeah, for? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, um, I, I've been, um, I'll just do a quick screen share. So yeah, there's, um, I've been sharing the, uh, the kind of um, development phase of it on my Patreon for like since Christmas. Okay. You know, just to sort of like um, for my patrons as like an extra kind of part of the deal. I sort of get them to test stuff for me. Yeah. <laughs> so that's like, your guinea pigs. Yeah. Yeah. Can you like try this out and tell me if it works? Can you do that? Yeah. Okay. So I've, for for a really long time, I've um I've just wanted to make like my own kind of like beat repeat. Um, you know, the Nobulator has like lots of stuff like that to do with like looping short bits of sound and and doing all kinds of glitch ups and stuff. And and I'm always sort of like I'm probably going to keep making stuff like that until I'm dead. You know, but yeah. I'm always like trying to find like new interesting ways to to interface with those ideas. And so the one thing that I've been putting my time into the most just got, there's so many versions. Say, <laughs> there's a ones. lot of net effects in there. It's like, yeah, I don't know which ones. So yeah. 1.12 is the one that I've given off to my friend to have a look at, but yeah, we'll look at 1.9.4. So, and, and even this is like just the starting point for something. Um, but basically each of these like things here is a, it's kind of an effect. So these are kind of sampler type ones. These are like filters and amplitude modulation ones. Okay. And then these are like kind of delays and reverbs and resonators and stuff, but they're not, they're not that great. When they happen is determined by this probability table. Oh, interesting. So if I want, if I want this one to happen a lot, I turn the slider up. If I want these other ones to happen not so often, then. So it's almost kind of like a dry wet mix for each individual effect that's also step sequencing based on how much you have that meter scrolled to the right yeah so the the actual the the timing of it is determined by this here so this is um okay. again this is using probability but it's probability for the for the internal clock so if i was to say have so this is this is 2.0.0 this is two bars so okay. with with that at 100% there's a very, very high chance that the, the internal clock is going to trigger every two bars. Okay. Um, and then if I have, say, if I introduce this one, then it's going to change to this one, which is 4N, which is like crotchets or whatever. So it's kind of like a, a, a probability kind of clock divider multiplier type thing. Interesting. Um, which also, so that determines which effect gets selected and also determines at what point it happens. So this chance thing, this is very much borrowed from Ableton's beat repeat. 100% chance means it's going to happen constantly. Yeah. Zero means you won't. it won't happen at all. Yeah. I guess we could kind of just... I could just sort of start by... Dying. Yeah. 
just going to restart the transport. Sometimes the clock goes out. <laughs> um, that sounds you know, wild. You can have as much or as little as you want. So yeah. if you just want subtle little jiggles here and there, then you, that it'll add it. Or if you just want to destroy everything. I like both. I like the jiggles and destroying everything. You just, you could, <laughs> you could resample that and just go and just make weirdness for like five minutes and go back and chop yeah. it up. I would totally use this. Yeah. It's very much uh, geared towards creative sampling, you know, mm-hmm. um, I, the, 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 the one on the end, these I've called them times, but they're kind of just delays and stuff. And like, Mm, they need a lot of work, but they they will do some stuff. And some of them kind of like uh, choke the sound before it enters the reverb or the or the delay. So you get that kind of dubby um, echo type thing. Mm-hmm. And then some of them are just weird resonator algorithms. Okay. Yeah, that's pretty wild. That sounds pretty, pretty amazing. Yeah, I, the timing is like really. Uh, I'm I'm quite pleased with the timing. This this clock divider thing. I I I've worked on it yeah. for a while. Timing really dead on. Um, and, but also it kind of be musical and funky and not too kind of. Uh, um, bit too wild, as it were. Um, yeah. yeah. There's also um, this fade. I've added like fades. So it, each of these effects are all running in 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 parallel, if, if if you will. And so that means you can kind of fade between them. And I don't know if you'll see this, but there's actually um, uh, a kind of visual cue over what's active. If I like apply some fade here, you can see how it won't work with the clock, but let's you might see them all kind of fade in and out and then you get these sort of weird transitions. Oh, that's very nice. Yeah. Just weird kind of electroacoustic sort of there's, there's one I added. Um, I've got one somewhere that's got like, um, maybe it's 1.3, 1.9.3. There's one I, I put like a little sound, a little noise generator in it. Maybe it's this one. Yeah, it's this one. So with this one, like you can, you, you don't need to run any audio into it. You can just, um, turn up the noise generator and just kind of create glitches. I could see myself making a lot of cool risers with this. Um, like, like effect buildups and things like that would be really cool. Yeah. It's, it's kind of, um, I mean, I, I kind of made it cause I want to put drum breaks through it, but yeah, I can see it being quite useful for all kinds of things. Like, um, sure. Like you, I mean, it's, it's very, it's in the early stages. Um, but uh, I, I can see, I, I would like it to be more than just like, um, like an effects processor. I'd like it to be like a, a sound generator as well that can kind of like, you can just tweak some things and then it might give you like a good ride symbol or something, you know, just yeah. out of nowhere. And, um, yeah, but, uh, it's, I started on it like Christmas, November, Christmas. And, um, and now I'm a bit like, okay, I give up. I need some help. <laughs> so, <laughs> but, um, yeah, so well, yeah, that, that's probably uh, the the most sort of interesting Max for yeah. Live thing I've been working on. So that's I, I would call that like a really great happy accident device, like where you just turn a knob and it's just this happy little weirdness that comes out of it. And you're like, oh, I think I'll take that and I'll take some of that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like um, you know, because that's kind of what I quite like to do anyway. Um, you know, I. I Early early on, I, I worked out that I really didn't like sequencing that much, particularly with the mouse in the with the in the piano roll. Like I, I don't mind like editing so much. Like it, that, it's slightly different. I don't really like the piano roll. Really, I mean it's it's powerful and I use it, but I don't use it as like a starting point. I kind of only really use it when I need to. And so when when I worked out that actually you could just um, jam with anything really and just record it and then edit edit down the bits that you like mm-hmm. and then put them together and call it a track then i you know i really sort of took that quite seriously um because that's just kind of as a guitarist that's kind of where i come from you know is that 
you know, of jamming with other people and then, uh, you know, maybe you make a recording and then you kind of go, oh, this bit here is really good. Let's do something with that. And then you do, yeah. it develops into something else and then becomes a song. So, so all these kind of things along the way for me are like, um, are like really useful, but also like this, um, I didn't really demonstrate, but like uh, all of the things that you saw there are all mapped on the push as well. So you can actually just dial yeah. around um, and like play with it with like a MIDI controller. You don't have to use the mouse at all. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm hoping to get it out this year, maybe. Well, hey, I'll play with it. If you need some more testing. Yeah. Yeah. I'll send it to you. And everybody listening right now, if you didn't get to see it and you want to see what we were just looking at, uh, go to YouTube and you can pull up all the podcasts on the YouTube with video and see Ned's awesome background and uh, see my my dirty couch in the background as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a really cool trick, man. I like that. Thanks for sharing that with us. Other than Max for Live devices, do you have any other projects that you're working on right now? I know that you did a live stream not too long ago. It's called More Kicks Than Friends. It was like a micro music festival. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so I was doing those every week last year for 20 weeks during uh, lockdown. Yeah, and uh, a week ago was uh, was the the one year it, it, the one year anniversary since the first one, and um, I felt a little kind of uh, weep of nostalgia that I wasn't still doing them because they were like loads of fun, and mm -hmm. um, it was nice to kind of chase people on the internet to get them to give me music that I could sit in in, in my patents and drink beer and watch and stream down YouTube and talk to people and go, well, that was very good. That was so and so from blah blah blah, and you know. <laughs> Um, yeah. but then eventually I got quite tired and I decided to stop. But now that, that the, the, the time of year has come about since I did the last one, I'm a little bit like, Oh, maybe I could do it again. But, yeah. um, I don't know. It, it, it seems a little bit weird to, I mean, I, I know it's not like this for everyone in the rest of the world, but I think in England right now, the, the plan is, is that we sort of start going back to normal. So, um, I'm not sure how I feel about going on the internet and asking people to please stay in and, on Saturdays and watch my live stream, you know, cause really everyone should be going out. And I think we're going to have a lot of both. I think we're going to see a lot of live streams still happening, but I think it's going to be blended with live shows now because I think there's a lot of people who didn't know how to live stream that had to figure it out. And I think we're still going to probably see that like you have websites like stage it and a lot of these other live performance sites that popped up. And I don't think they're going to want to go anywhere anytime soon. I think people are still down for the live streaming thing. And you, there's still a lot of people who haven't gotten vaccinated, who are still stuck in at home. You know, people are rethinking, like, maybe I don't want to go out as often as I used to. You know, some people are like that as well. But, but I think it's cool. I'm, to, I'm one of those people. I've, I've gotten, I've gotten used to it now. I mean, I like, I'm, I'm perfectly, uh, I, I, you know, I don't really mind, uh, getting entertained by the internet. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I think that like, um, I mean, obviously I, I, I can't wait to go to a festival or go to a, a gig again, but like, yeah. I, th I think that like, you know, you were, you were saying a minute ago about how people, everyone's kind of worked out how to do a stream now. And so like, maybe everyone's worked out how actually it's not that difficult and you don't really need to hire a, a, a television company to broadcast something. You can actually just do it with like a couple of secondhand GoPros and, and, and 4G, you know? Yeah. And, um, and so like, I wonder if we'll, if we'll start to see this kind of extension of, uh, you know, people won't ever miss live gigs ever again, because it will just become easier for people to stream gigs. So like if, you know, if, if, um, you know, if there's some band in the States that I really want to see and I can't come to the States to see their show, then I can, mm. they can stream it whilst yeah. everyone else is at the show. And then I can text my friend who's at the show and say, this is amazing. <laughs> yeah, know, yeah. All this sort of stuff. And it yeah, totally. just expands on the, uh, the whole experience, you know? If, yeah. I mean, I, I saw that with some bands I follow who were doing the drive-in tour thing and they would just like have these pop-up drive-in shows and they would also have online tickets for people to stream it and watch it from their couch at home. And I think there's always people that don't want to deal with the bullshit of finding parking and having to stand in lines and, you know, like I, there's people, I think it's going to go both ways. So I think it'd be cool if you decide to do another micro music fest. I understand that probably takes a lot of your time. It's probably a lot of work, but 
it seemed like there was a great reaction online when I when I was seeing all the chats and the comments from the YouTube stream. Yeah, it did get a little bit of a cult following for a little bit, which is very nice. And I started to, I, I've made lots of new friends out of it as well. And, um, and I started to see some familiar people and, um, you know, as, as kind of a very low production and DIY as it, as it was, uh, I did enjoy doing it and, um, I would like to do something like that again. And I was, I was, you know, I mean, I, I had enough people lined up to do maybe another two months. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just that I, w- I just started to feel a bit of a burnout and I didn't want my lack of enthusiasm to spill into my broadcasting yeah. style. Yeah. <laughs> so I s- sort of quit for a bit. Yeah. Makes sense. But no, I, w- I would love to do it. I'd love to do it again. And I'd love, to- I mean, it would be, yeah, I mean, I've got so many ideas, but um, it's, yeah, I, um, it's really just about finding people and um, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I yeah. think about it, but I, I kind of, um, I was kind of thinking I'd start it up again around about now, but um, yeah. it's not really convenient for me at the moment. So, Well, I'm sure it's not like you're busy or anything, you know, <laughs> you have other stuff to do. Well, no. Yeah. I mean, it's, <laughs> that's true. I mean, I think like, I, I think that maybe what I might do is I don't, yeah, I don't know. I kind of thought maybe I could do something where it's more like I'm focusing on one particular artist mm. and there's a bit of like, you know, a little bit like what we're doing. We have some conversations and then maybe there's like some, techie um demonstrations or maybe it's like a performance but there there was something but at at the same time i i kind of quite liked the the kind of the late night music tv vibe about it Mm -hmm. you know like when you might have watched like mtv2 in the mid 2000s late at night and you'd kind of find all this sort of obscure stuff you know yeah and like weird psychedelic videos and stuff like that yeah i kind of thought that maybe it could be Something along those lines. I don't know if you watch the Brain Feeder live streams. Um, I know what you're talking about, but I haven't watched many. They're a little bit like that. It's it's very yeah. much, they sort of have like little short clips and yeah. little skits and very little short movies. And then there's like a performance from an artist that's the artist of the week or something. Yeah. And it, it does have that very kind of like alternative late night t- music TV thing about it. Which kind um, cool. Which I quite like. Yeah. They're, they're worth watching. Like they're, they're always good. And there's, there's a nice um, community as well. You know, That's a, and maybe I should try something like that with the podcast. That would be interesting at the end, just stream a, like a short live set. Be kind of like mm. the tonight show. Like they do. It's a similar kind of setup. Yeah. Like as far as the interview, hang out and then performance. Yeah. 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 Why not? It's, it's like, a, it's, it, it's kind of like an old, it's sort of, uh, you know, rehashing the older, form of tv but like with the the current situation you know um, yeah and that's and when i hear people producers and i'm guilty of this sometimes too but just like getting stressed and be like man it's so much work being an artist i have to make all the music i have to do all the marketing i have to do all the social media it's like just a lot of stuff you know for people who want to be a full-time career as an imp- independent artist but it's like now is the best time i feel like because you've got the entire world at your hands you think about twitch is blowing up how it's so easy to connect with people more so these days than it ever has been i mean you can just jump on your phone and talk to send a direct message to anybody through instagram pretty much that you want to you know i mean it, there's a there's a great way to connect with fans and and live streams i don't think it's going away anytime soon it's just another medium to be able to connect with an audience for sure yeah yeah i mean like people like people who could be living in very very remote parts of the world have probably maybe still got the internet and mm-hmm. so can still see all this stuff yeah um and so yeah i mean it's um it, it it was a little bit difficult to get a lot of real time viewers because I think that like I think the idea of the live stream as a live event maybe even though that it it's just been wall to wall for for all of this pandemic it's maybe still not something that appeals to someone uh, everyone's enthusiasm I think yeah. it, it's people do a, a very easy to think. <clears throat> I'll watch that later. I'll watch that tomorrow. Or I'll watch it next week or something. Mm-hmm. You know, that are more like an on-demand kind of uh, approach to content is that like, oh yeah, I'll, I'll remind myself to watch that. Yeah. Um, rather than it being kind of like <clears throat> the collective viewing experience of like TV of like yesteryear where people would meet the next day and go, oh, did you watch Game of Thrones last night? And what about, what do you think about that? Whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so like there was, there was a nice element of that where, 
you know, and it, it, it was a small group of people. I think maybe there, I think maybe there was about at one point there was maybe 80 people watching at one point. That's cool. But, um, I mean, it was, you know, it was, it was a lot, but, um, but I, I wasn't too concerned because there was just such a nice kind of, um, feeling of like people coming to watch this every Saturday, you know? Yeah. Community driven. Yeah. For me, like I've, I've forced myself not to care so much about the numbers as much as I am like the actual real interactions with people. It's like, what is it? That's like the rule of what? 10,000 super fans or whatever. You can make like a hundred thousand dollars a year, make good money. At least if you have 10,000 super fans, I've heard that before. Maybe I got that number wrong, but um, yeah, I mean, if you can connect, is that a statistic? Yeah. Yeah. I've heard that before. Or maybe it's 1000 super fans or 10,000 super fans. It's like, if you can get that many people that say like, they will follow you to the ends of the earth and they love your music, you can make a pretty solid career monetizing them. Um, that's like a, that's a thing I've heard from several like music marketing gurus. I think Circa from Entrepreneur was one of the people that mentioned that on the podcast a while ago. Um, he does a lot of independent music marketing and with independent labels, he works with a lot of them. Oh, but yeah. Interesting. I mean, it kind of makes sense. Yeah. I mean, like, um, you know, if you could get 2000 people to give you 20 pounds a year, you've got yeah whatever the maths is there. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, so, you can make good money. Yeah. <clears throat> so, I mean, that's, that's true, but yeah, man, thank you for joining the podcast. I want to respect your time. Uh, it's been a good hang and maybe tell <laughs> people the best place to connect with you if they want to get in touch moving forward. I guess probably the best starting point is YouTube because mm-hmm. that's where probably most of my stuff is <laughs> yeah. and then you could probably find your way around f- from there i'll send you my link tree if that will be of any yeah. use yeah do check out music Hackspace for things that we're doing in the future but you yeah wanna, i mean you basically describe music Hackspace for people who maybe don't know much about it uh it's it's kind of a it, it's community driven learning um so it's a lot of workshops and a lot of meetups to do with, um, you know, more unusual creative aspects of music and sound. And so like, um, you know, a lot of stuff to do with Max MSP and a lot of stuff to do with Ableton and, and, um, you know, or, or designing your own hardware and just, um, like real kind of creative tech stuff, but very community orientated as well. So, um, we're doing a meetup. I'm hosting a meetup this Saturday. And we've got Dylan Bastan. Is that how you pronounce it? Dylan, Dylan Bastian. Who did yeah. the Inspired by Nature. Yeah. He's brilliant. He did the Inspired by Nature stuff that came out in Live Alone. Yeah. So he's coming to sort of do a demonstration. I don't know what about, but I'm sure it'd be interesting. Um, that's free to attend. And I think, uh, yeah, we're going to be doing more of those uh, in the future and stuff. So yeah. Yeah, he's an interesting guy. He did a thing with the Certified Trainer mm-hmm. Group and uh, on the whole tree, bouncy balls all the different devices he made inspired by nature. He's a funny guy. He's, he's, he's on a whole nother level. <laughs> he's brilliant. Okay. Yeah. Well, like, yeah, I've, um, I, we've been sort of, um, you know, we've been connected online for a while, but I've, I've not like met him in, in, uh, well, not in real life and not virtually either, but I'm, so I'm looking forward to meeting him virtually on Saturday. Yeah. He's so, funny. He's funny. Um, cool. Right yeah. on. Well, um, we're going to include oh, links. Yeah in the show notes like we always do everybody listening um so definitely check out ned rush aka duncan wilson thanks man for hanging out uh it's been a lot of fun and i'll have this posted most likely on tuesday and i'll, I'll definitely share it with you then tuesday. and have the okay. video edited and yeah thanks for making really cool max fly devices like the newest album hopefully see a uh more kicks than friends fest come up again maybe in the future we'll see yeah, we'll see. Well, I hope so too. So yeah, I mean, if if it happens, then at every corner of the internet where I leave stuff, you'll probably hear about it. So Okay, cool. Well, you got a new Instagram follower. I've been following on Instagram. Oh, fantastic. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, for I'll sure, give man. give you a follow back. Yeah, I'm Philia Music. That's my artist name. So if you see okay. me floating around on the web, that's me. Okay, got it. Cool, cool. All right. Well, thanks for joining the podcast, man. Enjoy the rest of your weekend and uh, we'll be in touch for sure. Okay, nice one. Cheers. Yeah, cheers. See ya. See, see you next time. Yo, thanks everybody for checking out the podcast. Quick reminder, if you want to grab my free Ableton Live, 
11 shortcuts go to liveproducersonline.com slash live 11 shortcuts and download it for free also you will be subscribed to the newsletter so you'll receive emails and be the first to know when new podcast episodes come out and other cool stuff also if you want to purchase ableton live 11 i'd be glad to hook you up with a discount just go to liveproducersonline.com slash buy ableton and i will see you guys next time